By speaking with local creators, artists, and business professionals, Papercut aims to cut deep and demystify the Winnipeg creative industry with hometown heroes and hidden gems. Brought to you by the West End Cultural Center, the best place for over 30 years to see live music in Winnipeg. Welcome to Papercut Podcast. My name is Jared Goche. I'm Olivia Michaelcheck, and we're here with Riley Hastings. Please tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, hey there. Thanks for having me on today. I'm uh, Riley Hastings. I'm a local musician. I'm a writer and editor-in-chief for The Projector at Red River College. Okay, let's start with music. Yeah. What do you play? I've been playing uh, I play guitar. I've been playing with the Noble Thieves for 10 years. We're coming up. We're going to have our 10-year anniversary show really? in, uh, in the spring. Do you know how many shows to... that is? Do you guys count the shows as well? I should have counted the shows. <laughs> Man, that, 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 we never thought to like think, how many shows have we played? But it has to be... Has to be like hundreds. hundreds. Right, yeah. It has to be hundreds. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Hey, congratulations. That's a well. Thank you. Yeah. It's a pretty big milestone. And and you know over that time we went overseas. We've uh, we've toured Europe. We've done uh, twenty two states in the U S. and all over Canada. And uh, it's been an absolute blast this whole time. Yeah. That's unreal. How could you explain like how how do you grow in a band over ten years? Like how obviously your sound changes, but like you're going through like adulthood you know from an early stage to like this point how oh yeah in that relationship yeah it's uh it's interesting you know like your your mentality toward music kind of grows as, as you grow and i think when we started the noble thieves i had this idea that i was going to be a rock star and i was like i was like made in the shade like i had a label i had a manager i was doing this international touring and i was just like yeah like having so much fun and then that expectation kind of started to be a form of pressure uh, as I went on. And there was, uh, there was some tough years where I, I felt a little bit lost as to what I'm doing. And now I, we've kind of gone DIY. We're kind of doing our own thing. We split from like uh, any labels and anything like that. And I'm loving music again. I feel like artistically nice. free and uh, music might be more rewarding than it ever has been for me. So it's, it's been a cool journey in that sense. And as a group, uh, how you grow is... Uh, you have to have the right like, group of people or you won't grow. You'll break up after a couple of years because everyone will be sick of each other. So I'm just very grateful to have been in a band with uh, Myron Dean and, and Ian Lodowicz and uh, a couple awesome drummers along the way. Like They've just been the right fit, and uh, that's been the key to our longevity. Fantastic. Yeah. You mentioned you're a writer. Yeah, definitely. So uh, I'm in the creative communications program right now at Red River, so I'm really honing in my writing. But, uh, like of course, I've spent probably 15 years writing music and uh i'm finding actually that's translating really well into into writing other things right now and probably just the experiences i gained from traveling and stuff like that have made me want to be a storyteller and writing seems to be the thing i have a knack for the thing i have like the natural rhythm to do so i've been doing a lot of that uh, mostly writing for school right now but i do write for the projector as well uh, in addition to editing the stories and kind of guiding the content and uh then i do some freelance stuff too like i write about tractors and and like <laughs> agriculture for <laughs> finance magazines and stuff really? like that, which is really weird. But I think it actually shows yeah, we that. Yeah, we need to get a little <laughs> more into that. So like, do you know things about tractors? I know I know a surface level about like the kind of financing industry and stuff like that. F- um, financing tractors. Yes. Oh, okay. yeah. So, like, oh, okay. Yeah, so I'm writing like B2B uh, stuff for like, you know, trying to get people to get on board with the oh, tractors. okay i thought you were reporting on like a new tractor no okay no <laughs> but but i think it's interesting that like when you when you're writing all the time and you're dedicated to writing like a good writer can write about anything so it's a pretty neat challenge for yeah, me to like cool. go into something where i have 
very surface level knowledge and then I just started doing research and I get a bunch of complicated information and then I just <laughs> put it into straight snappy plain words that anyone can understand it's a fun challenge for sure that's awesome mm -hmm. so is it solely uh, tractors or, or is it just <laughs> do you do like variety of work with with yeah, like your yeah exactly like so like the company I've been working for will, has like all these different verticals of agriculture and transport and uh, forestry and all that stuff so I kind of been doing ghost writing for them, so I'll go and I'll interview one of their experts, and I'll kind of like try to get a sense of their their cadence and how they speak, and, and then get the information from them too. And then I write as them, so I'm like, oh, yeah, interesting. Like in the shadows, it's cool. Well, yeah, huh. ghost writing. Do you do a lot of that? <laughs> I've been, I've been, I've probably ghost written like ten articles that's, so far, starting in this in the spring. Oh, that's a really cool concept. <laughs> yeah, it's like writing in like someone. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that's... it's different. Yeah, so like writing as women, writing as men, older, younger. It's it's really cool to kind of, uh, yeah. I think I have the right kind of like empathy for it, where I can kind of like absorb someone's uh, brain for a moment and, and write. Yeah, that's yeah, kind of like writing a band bio. You very have to much become so. the yeah. band. Yeah. yeah, so like if I'm writing bios for bands, which I think I've done maybe like, yeah, five Sounds. five or ten, like not yeah. many, but you have to interview the band and then be the band talking about yourself, but exactly. you're not. You're just a would person you, on the outside. Would you interview <clears throat> each member separately? Or no, do you just, I just do it as a group? The one who approaches me. Oh, okay. And then they say like... Okay, I need a bio, and I was like, "Give me all your info, and like, what is your thing?" And they're like, "This is my story," and then I'll be like, "I don't like it." Yeah, <laughs> give me another story. Yeah, yeah let's find your story. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That, like I've been on the other side of that as a as an artist, and it really helps if you have somebody who can kind of like hone in on what the story is for you. Because when you're when you're when you're the creative person, it's actually sometimes hard to narrow it down exactly what you're all about or what your your, your music should, like who should, it should appeal to, who it should resonate with. So it can actually help to have like a creative mind kind of come in and boil that down for you. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have yeah. a process in like trying to dig that information? Because not everyone will just open the book. Like sometimes if you're going to write stories or you want to find that right story for them. Yeah. What do you do to try and get that out? Like if someone's a closed book, do you have any kind of methods and ways of like trying to get that story out of them? I, I like to, <clears throat> I like to press people to silence. So so if I, <laughs> That's nice. yeah so if I if I'm interviewing somebody and I feel like it's just kind of dry and I'm getting like the prepared answers and stuff I'll kind of just and you won't be able to see this on the podcast but I'll just kind of sit like this and I'll stare ah uh, yes oh, very uh, schemy yeah, yeah. schemy yeah I'm interested I'm, and, and, but, and then they'll want to break that awkward silence and kind of like Pass. get to the more meaningful stuff That's yeah good idea. and it's usually yeah. to the benefit of both people that like some people just aren't comfortable being interviewed or they don't like it doesn't come up as naturally question answer question answer so if you kind of leave some space then things can come up yeah. <laughs> you fill it up with something yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. No, that's that's yeah. interesting that's like an interviewing technique that I, I like to use in, uh, in my like journalism stuff for sure yeah. fantastic yeah. so you're editor-in-chief with yes. the projector right yeah that's right Fantastic. UOC. You're, yeah, yeah. Sorry. You were in UOC too, right? No, I was. I was. I, I was an editor in chief. I was just an editor, section oh, okay. editor. So but awesome. I, that's. I still wanted to. Was, was that, uh, Craig was editor in chief. Who's, Craig, okay. Craig, my roommate, who's having a shower right now. Who's, uh, yeah, having at a shower. Right Manitoban. At yeah. the Manitoban. Yeah, yeah. awesome. Yeah. That's fantastic. So how? Like we've had this conversation with him, but like, how is it trying to? assemble a paper you know just like going through that process of like oh my god bringing like is it hectic chaotic is it well smooth? we have so, like 
an advantage slash disadvantage is that it's not a physical paper anymore. It's online only, so they've gotten oh. rid of the print version two years ago, I think. Yes. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. so that's like there's less of the layout assembly print scramble, okay. but there's a constant need to like figure out how are we going to make people read this thing? How are we going to make them want to read this? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, so it's like it's really about uh, content curation right now and, and kind of like providing value on a platform that people might not have to go to or might not be aware of. You don't have that same tangible presence in the school when uh, there's no paper copies. And there's still uh, Uniter and Manitoban stands like in our, in our college. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's interesting. I didn't interesting. think about just like putting an empty stand somewhere and just being like, we still exist. <laughs> yeah, but it's been a good year actually. Like readership's been up a lot and we've just been trying to, trying to you know, make come up with content and stories that uh, matter to the college audience and stuff like that yeah yeah so now that it's all digital mm-hmm. do you still go on like um, a weekly basis or are you guys trying to put up more content because you don't have to worry about you know fitting it into this week's paper exactly so we've kind of we have kind of a cycle structure where uh we have four editors or sorry five editors and they'll uh kind of be blocked off in certain days and they'll publish on different days but i'm constantly constantly posting yeah interesting yeah yeah usually a, a story or two a day we also wow. uh like the first year creative communication students have to write for the paper as part of their assignment so we get a, a big surge in the first semester of first year stories too and who grades those stories do you grade them the journalism instructor grades them and then gives about, them to you yeah so like, i guess the process is like they write their story they bring it to us we chop it up, we turn it, like, we we basically completely overhaul the edit, and then they get graded on the original version, and we publish our edited version. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, I've been making an effort to, you know, like, sit down with the first years and show them how I made my edits, like, if I can kind of help them through, uh, like, kind of help them along in, in learning the, the journalism style, which is obviously, as you know, like, very specific. Mm-hmm. Um, the, I like to do that. It kind of bridges the gap. It's Like, my, my job is uh, equally, like, a PR thing as it is... Uh, you know, a journalism and uh, like copy editing thing is very much like outreach, getting people to read us. I'm running contests. I'm doing stuff like that just to kind of get some buzz going and uh, creating positive relationships for the next year. That's the weird thing about the projector too, is that people are uh, like in the program for such a short period of time that it's in constant flux, right? There's a new team every single year. So uh, the the previous year set up like an awesome kind of culture and a structure for us. They restructured everything. We have, uh, like specified editors now so it used to just kind of there'd be like editors at large i think they were calling them uh, yeah two yeah. years ago so now we have sports editor news editor arts and culture multimedia nice and uh it that's really cool yeah it gives a helps uh, help us, us have some focus and stuff yeah. that's awesome yeah so you're second year at creekcom what's your major uh advertising oh nice yeah. nice definitely so is there any particular stream you you want to get into right after college because you're going to be doing your your work Second workplacement, right? Uh, I'll be doing my first one in November. Nice. Yeah. yeah awesome. So, yeah. So I'm really excited for that. Um, yeah, I'm not too sure. I, I'm going to, during my workplacements, like test out like, uh, some agency type settings. But uh, I don't know. I've been liking this tractor gig. Like, I, don't, <laughs> I don't mind the B2B thing and the, and the, uh, the idea of a 9 to 5 and, and, and benefits. Tractors. And, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, tractors. And, and, yeah, tractors and things. Do you get to ride? Trackers? No, there's no tractors on site. Oh, okay. it's, it's basically a bank. <laughs> <laughs> that was such a. <laughs> Olivia's interest is like gone. It's it was like, totally. Oh, I could have played along too, though. Yeah, actually, exactly. I'm so dead yeah, this isn't my thing. <laughs> yeah, I for sure knew that there was no tractors <laughs> yeah. involved, but yeah. I just, I'm an ass. <laughs> 
So I want to go back to band stuff. Sure. If that's okay. Yeah. Um, so your stage presence as a band is like very um, theatrical. Yes. I would say. Not yeah, you, well, yours especially, but I mean everybody <laughs> else's as well. For sure. Um, do you practice? Like, how how is practice different than a performance? Like, there's no way there's enough room wherever you're practicing for you guys to be doing that stuff, right? <laughs> no, no, that, that, that's a good question, and it all has happened on stage. So, like, we like we started 10 years ago, and we were pretty terrible, and we just played <laughs> oh, no. a ton of shows. And we, we've gotten better as musicians, as performers, whether it's the theatrical side or the, or the actual playing the music side. Uh, we've developed that all by just playing a ton of shows. So the theatrical thing definitely comes from our punk rock roots. Like we, we like we might play like kind of like soulful rock, like a like kind of a something you wouldn't immediately associate with punk. But we're all punk rockers. We started off playing uh, yeah, kind of like reggae and, and punk songs, and uh, we never really lost that edge. And we've just like we just get excited. Uh, Myron Dean is like the most extroverted person I've ever met in my life, and he's just like. He'll go into a room and just absorb everyone's energy and then just put it out twofold. So it's like, it doesn't, it's even when we're just hanging out somewhere, like he's just making a scene usually <laughs> in, in, in a very good way. Like he has yeah. a special talent to just connect with people and match the energy of the people that he's facing. Well, like you could be anywhere and you just like, zoop, like you can, <laughs> he's just so magnetic, just exactly. like his yeah. style and his presence and his voice and everything. Like you just show up somewhere like the cube and you're just like, Oh, see him, you know, like, yeah. cause he's got like a hat and the glasses yeah. and the whole thing. He's, he's a very whole, yeah. lead singer, rock very, star, yeah. <laughs> right? So, very eccentric yeah. person. Yeah, and, totally. Uh, and it works super well for him. And then for me, I just get so fired up to play yeah. that it just kind of, it just happens. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's been many sets where like, I almost don't remember playing it. I'm just like... <laughs> just pulling. Yeah. Just, you know, it's <laughs> a mad, mad rush and, and uh, it's fun. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. Yeah, it's unreal. So what are some of the big shows that you've played or some of the most memorable shows? Ten years is a long time. Definitely, but I could probably pick a few. Um <laughs> We played Milwaukee Summerfest a couple years ago. That's uh, they call it the biggest music festival in the world because it's like two weeks long oh, and yeah. they counted by like attendance, but they uh, like double it up. So, anyways, like millions of people so cheating, millions of <laughs> yeah. people pass through the gates. It's kind yeah, of cheating. That's cool. Though. Yeah, but it's kind of cool. And we uh, so so we played there, and then a few hours after us, it was like Willie Nelson, Joan Jett, uh, Joe Jackson. Um, so you open for them essentially. Essentially, like there was, a, like I don't want to outright say that because there were several hours in between, but it's still pretty <laughs> cool to to be in that good of company. Um, so so that's amazing. We played Juno Fest in Calgary, which is probably like the biggest like indoor show we played. There's maybe like fifteen hundred people in there. Um, but my favorite shows are like from the from the touring days were usually in Edmonton. Edmonton's like such a Winnipeg Winnipeggy city. <laughs> it's just like basically like a slightly bigger like equally stabby city that has like the kind of gritty edge I like so uh, we managed to build up a decent audience there because people there are kind of like Winnipeggers so we seem to they seem to connect with our music in the same kind of way and uh, this is a great venue called the Artery it's called the Aviary now but it's like this crazy collective of artists like it was usually a multimedia show whenever we play there there'd be visual artists and uh, people showing their works and uh, it's part of uh, they do this thing in Edmonton called Next Fest and it's kind of like an edgy fringe. Edmonton has the, the biggest fringe in Canada, first of all. But then uh, this next fest is like a little bit more 
underground and stuff like that. So they have this uh, smut party, and it's basically like a porn sex party, and they would hire us to play. But it, and it's all very like very like inclusive, like very like like everybody can celebrate their favorite kind of sex there, and it's really it's really like. Uh, very interesting. Yeah. Definitely edgy. It would scare some people off. But we just had some wild parties there. Because we you get everybody all... Just plain cheering everything? Like... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, like, yeah. I don't know how much yeah, 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 it's going to. It's not like quite like a... Like, you know, like a bondage convention or something. But right. it's a little no. bit more of... It's the artistic side of, of the... Of sex and then the kind of the human nature Whoa. toward it, so it's pretty cool. Would have loved to hear Myron's banter for that show because <laughs> he's got some interesting banter. Yeah, so that exactly. would have been like a wild set of banter. Yeah, yeah. So, so we, we've done two of those parties, and they're always like super packed. And I don't know, you just like kind of you set some, like some parameters like that early in the night, and then you just find people become very uninhibited in in all ways, just in terms of the conversations you're having, mm-hmm. the people you're interacting with. And then you add in the fact that everyone's like kind of getting horny, and it uh, makes for a really great party. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I like yeah. that idea. I like yeah. the concept. I think it's so cool. It was really cool. Was it just you guys playing, or was, um, were there other bands? There's been other bands. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like just they bring in some locals, but uh, we kind of. I think that was one of the first shows we did in Edmonton there. And then we would come back and we'd cycle back and got to the point where we could sell out maybe like a 300 person venue in Edmonton. Uh, on our name, which is a which is a pretty nice thing when you're trying to branch into new places. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so Edmonton, I've got a soft spot for. Um, of course, playing like in Liverpool is, and and Paris and things like that are really cool. Um, oh, I have so many so many favorite shows. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah. So for ten years, I mean. M- Maybe it's still a secret, but do you guys have anything planned, or is there going to be a show? There's going to be a show, and uh, no details like so far. But it's going to be a big deal. We're going to kind of uh, up the up the ante a little bit, bringing a bunch of guest musicians. Um, we've done that, of course, a lot in the past with like jazz fest and stuff. But we'll, mm-hmm. like we could you could probably expect a full horn section and an organ Ooh. and uh, well yeah, yeah like it, like we'll probably try to build it to you know eight or nine piece band and uh, and then we'll we'll kind of probably come up with some kind of fun way to celebrate it whether it's I don't know we've been throwing the ideas of like like doing two sets kind of like breaking like a, a bunch of songs that we haven't even played in 10 years mm. or um, or putting out something completely new so there'll be some surprises in store for sure because we really want to like make it count you know yeah, yeah you want to yeah. make it big yeah exactly it's a big one and yeah. like you're a well known name in the city for mm. sure like and I don't mean this disrespectfully, but yeah. for regardless of people like you or not, they've probably seen you before, like oh, at Jazz Fest or yeah. at, like you've been everywhere. You and like, us. yeah, <laughs> just any anytime there's a crowd of people, you're just like, oh fuck, he's a noble thief. Part yeah. of my language. I'm like, How'd they get here? Yeah, they're, they're always here. Smut fest? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, we we get around and we uh, we show up a lot of places. Yeah, so yeah. like that—that's just going to be a wild show. Like definitely, yeah, it's gonna it really be amazing. Will. So I, yeah, I'm really excited to put that together. Just got to get through this kind of school stuff, and then I can start thinking about that. Yeah, yeah. totally, fantastic. So yeah. we want to go back to you personally with guitar. Now we want to go sure. back to the beginning. The beginning. Well, yeah. Okay. We want to know the origin story. The origin story. Origin yeah. story. Okay. Let me see. Well, I I basically like started playing shows before I knew how to play guitar, but I had a guitar. 
it almost goes back to saying like 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 what I was saying about learning on stage. I yeah. like got a guitar, learned how to play like Smells Like Teen Spirit, and like booked a show with a bunch of equally green musicians when I was probably thirteen. Well, and and ever since there, then I just kind of learned a little bit on my own. Like I, I'm self taught. Uh, I've had lessons, um, you know, for other instruments and stuff. Uh, play saxophone and. Uh, and piano and stuff like that. But with guitar, I kind of taught myself, um, just like very much influenced by like punk rock and uh, yeah, so like Nirvana pretty much. <laughs> and uh, it took years and years, I think only like, I feel like four years ago, I was like, hey, I, I'm pretty good at guitar. Yeah. And I've been doing, and I'd already been playing music in public for so long. Um, I think it's also because I, I'm before I'm a, a guitar player, I'm a, I'm a songwriter, and I always had the ability to like kind of think up a song and then learn how to play it, and then and then think up a song and then learn how to play that. And mm-hmm. each song I would kind of come up with would be a little more challenging, so it would force me to get better at my at, at playing the guitar. And uh, eventually, with through a lots of lots of good fortune and and some practice too, I've, I've, I've <laughs> finally arrived at a point where I'm like, oh, I think I can. I think I can hang with some of these good guitar players for sure. Nice. So, yeah. what was the decision for guitar? Like you, you said you just picked it up one day. Oh, like yeah, what, I wanted what to was... impress girls for sure. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone who tells you anything other than that answer is lying. To you. So, <laughs> so I'm just gonna be blunt about it. Um, and and then I also Fair. realized that I, I love being a front person. I love uh, kind of commanding a stage and I like the the stage presence I've had is like just an innate thing I've always had that so it all kind of over lots of time and lots of shows and lots of shows where I was not very good I've I've kind of arrived at a at a pretty good place and I've learned to write songs that fit my competency pretty well too like I can you know music doesn't have to be complicated or difficult to be beautiful you can you can really if you have a, a strong message and lyrics that mean something music can be dead simple behind it and uh, it can still be pretty powerful yeah. Well. Yeah, that's a positive <laughs> statement. Jeez. Cool. That's so interesting how many musicians we talked to that were like, when did you learn how to play guitar? And they're like, I still don't know how. Like, like someone would, was saying, like, they write a song and then, like, have to practice it over and over and over to sure. make sure that it's muscle memory so they don't forget because they don't, like, I think, I, well, I'm talking about Lizzie in particular. Oh, yeah. I was saying, like, every time I go on stage, I'm kind of just, like, trying to remember it not mm-hmm. yeah. not have those like innate things and it's just so interesting that so many musicians in Winnipeg are like you're, just like, you're amazing and they're like ah like <laughs> you know so it's just know interesting yeah exactly yeah, yeah. and it's so interesting that you say like when I used to see you often like that would have been within that like six years of you playing with Noble Thieves yeah. and you say you know what you were <laughs> like you weren't a good guitar player in yeah. your mind yet that's so interesting Wow. Yeah, it's a kind of like okay, small tangent but related. Like uh, karate. Love tangent. Okay, good. So, <laughs> karate. So, so like martial arts and karate. I remember I was uh, like probably fourteen years old, and I was uh, training in like Shotokan karate. And my sensei, like this, like kind of like old dude who still looks like looked like he could take you out pretty good, was telling me about like his master, who had like spent his whole life trying to perfect his punch and just the form of the punch. And, uh, like, on his deathbed, he's like, I never mastered those punches. <laughs> on his deathbed? On his, this karate master <laughs> on his deathbed, so I just never quite mastered those punches. And I, I, that resonated with me because it's, it talk, it's like the importance of ongoing learning and never really settling. Like, everything is on 
it's it's not just chronological start and I've arrived. I'm amazing. It's like there's always a next level, and there's and there's always something you can hone in. So like yeah, just that ongoing learning. If if you, I don't know if if you if you think you're done learning, like you might as well die, man. There's so much out there. Yeah, or you spend your entire life trying to perfect this punch, and then when you are dying, yeah. you're just like, man, I yeah. wish I just oh. got the punch. I would have gone know? to Disney World or something. Yeah, yeah. I would have had, had a really good party to celebrate yeah. when I got it, yeah. but yeah. here we are. Could have celebrated the punch. That's a that's a fantastic lesson. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I I'd like to find cool. a happy medium in it, you know? Like, yeah. I was pretty close. I was like 99% to the punch, so yeah. Yeah. now yeah. I can You're really yeah. the top tier. I could at least hang my hat on that, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Cool. That's fantastic. And yeah. I think we can we can end out this on that fantastic lesson. Wonderful. Are you ready? <laughs> <You're> ready? <laughs> I think we're done. Yeah. Um, uh, thank you, Riley. Thank, thank you so much. We appreciate everything and, yeah, and all the definitely. wisdom too. And, okay. uh, and, and thank oh, you. Shoot. This is a thing that we haven't perfected. Ready? Thank, thank you, you for, for cutting, cutting deep with us on Paper Cut Podcast. Podcast. Thanks. Thanks. That was pretty good.